Well, welcome. Great to see you here. I've had the joy of preaching across the church this morning. And I want to speak on the subject of, I've called the title of the message, Vision 2030, is Spirit of Generosity. And uh, all I can say to you is that I felt God speak to me very clearly about this day. Uh, And I don't say that lightly. And if you come to this church uh, regularly, then, uh, you know, I wouldn't use the Lord's name like that. I just felt God speak to me. In fact, he spoke to me back in March. I got up early to pray. I was attending a conference in Peterborough. And to get my 10,000 steps in, I thought, I'm going to be sitting in the conference all day. I've got to get up early. So I was up and I was walking. As I was praying, uh, God gave me the outline of this message really quickly. I, I, wish it was, I wish it happened like that all the time, but I'm ju- just... I'm just sharing with you what I felt God say to me. And the first thing he said I should do was that I should pray at the beginning of this message. And he was very clear to how I should do it. And and so I hope you'll go with me. But he said, I want to encourage everyone to just open their hands. And just maybe if you're happy to do that. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. And just put your hands open. Maybe a lamb on your knees or whatever. Whatever you feel comfortable. And he asked me, he just said that I should pray. And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for an impartation of a spirit of generosity on the church. And Lord, oh Lord, you're the, you're the God of all things and the giver of all things. And Lord, we want to come before you as your people and we want to come with our hands open. We don't want to close our hands. We don't want to grasp onto the things of this world. We want to be open-handed before God. And so I pray now right across this congregation that there will be an impartation of faith and God, you will do something. That there would be something supernatural today that would, uh, would, would be remarkable. And people would say, this can only be God. And so I ask you, Holy Spirit, won't you touch our hearts? And Lord, just take my words and just apply them to our lives. Lord, where they ring true and they're the word of God. Pray much fruit. And Lord, we come to you aware that we came into the world with nothing. We're leaving nothing. And we are called to steward all you've given us. So bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thanks for doing that. That's great. Thank you. Um, Now, what I thought I'd do right at the beginning of this message is just show you a little video clip. Uh, It's an interview I did a couple of years ago, which really introduces some kind of of core and key values when it comes to generosity and giving, which are really important. And uh, I'll mention some of them more as I get, get on preaching. But if we could just run that uh, interview now, that would be great. Thanks. All of us are on a journey. Some of us have been at King's for a long time. We've, we know the values. We know right. the vision. Uh, we've heard our teaching a number of times. But some of us maybe are new to King's, yeah. maybe are new to faith. Can you just remind us and, and teach some of us uh, what it is we believe about giving at King's? Yeah, well, it's a huge subject uh, and an important one. For, for me, it's a, uh, fundamentally, it's a discipleship issue. It's, it's about worship. It's about response to the grace we've received in Christ. Uh, I know when I first became a Christian, uh, I walked across the room and um, uh, said to my pastor, I want to get baptised, but also started tithing immediately. I'd kind of worked out, before I committed to Christ, some of the outworkings of his lordship in my life. One was to, to get baptised and one was to, to give and get my money lined up mm. with following Jesus. And Jesus spoke a lot about money. 
And he said, doesn't he? He says, you cannot serve both God and money. And the God of materialism is like it becomes like a priority to us. We put our, our faith in money. We, in a sense, we trust money more than God. And as you give, you're dying to that. And you're saying, no, ultimately, I've got faith. I trust in God uh, to provide for me and uh, to uh, provide all I need in, in life. Um, we teach stewardship, which means it's like give out of what, you have, not have what you don't have. And in that sense, that would be very different, different to a prosperity message, mm. which I think treats God a bit like a slot machine. Uh, and, you know, God, God, can, God can bless you when you give with more finances, but not necessarily. He might bless you in other ways. Uh, and so we don't want people giving so they'll get more money back. Mm. Uh, and that can just get you into debt. And I've known people that have done that and found themselves in that situation. So we want people to give out of mm. what they have. Mm. Uh, we want to give them generously and sacrificially. Uh, I'm asked, should people tithe? I think that's a really good guide. I, Deb and I have always practiced that in our life. Mm. In fact, over and beyond that. And we do it before tax. That's what we've decided. Uh, but I think the, the principle taught through... Second uh, Corinthians 8 and 9 about proportional giving is also very, very important. Mm. So God sees the heart. He's ultimately not interested in the amount. He's interested in the heart. That's why he values the widow's might as much as the, the very rich person. Mm. Uh, but I would expect out of the teaching of proportional giving that there will be some here that should give way beyond the tithe mm. Mm. because they're, they're being blessed with tens if not hundreds of thousands mm -hmm. of pounds and so therefore they should I think as 1, 2, 3, 6 of course fairly direct mm -hmm. to what yeah. he's all rich he commands rich people uh, to give not something that we do too often around here yeah. uh, but a, there's a big challenge for those of us who have much to be generous mm -hmm. uh, so there's some of the values I think in the end your bank statement communicates your priorities your values, your commitments mm -hmm. so if you look at your bank statement you'll find out whether Sky Sports are more important than tithing, mm. and that reveals something about your, your heart, ultimately, mm. before God. Mm. Uh, so that's some of the key values that shape how, uh, how we teach about giving here at King's. That's really helpful, and uh, as we talk about at King's, everyone's on a journey. Some people have never given before in their lives, yeah. and, and some people you know, give regularly and towards 10%. Other people give way and beyond 10%. Yeah. What general advice or principles would you give or comments would you give to everyone on each stage of that journey? Uh, well, uh, I think the main principle that I would want to communicate today, Charles, is we think it's good practice for everyone to review and in a sense to recommit before God and also just helps us steward the kind of family church purse here it, it, uh, once a year to kind of and this is what Deb and I will do. I will literally get my spreadsheet out and I will look at the income we've got and uh, if I've received a small percentage increase, salary review or something like that, I'll factor that all in and I will then adjust our giving. And um, We'll talk it through. I think it's really important for you married to talk this through as... Uh, husband and wife and agree before God together with openness mm. uh, uh, but um, yeah that's what we'll do we think it's really really uh, helpful to do this review and we're aware that people are in different parts of the journey so some will be making a first step others of us will be kind of uh, confirming or recommitting we're going to continue at the same level we've done for this last year great so review and continue to, to give um, any final comments that you'd like to share with the church 
Well, I, I think it, as I started, a, a huge thanks to the generosity of this, mm. uh, this people that I have the privilege to lead. And what we see, what, what God has done amongst us, uh, I think is reflected on the generosity of God's people mm. here. God sees it, it blesses his heart, it flows into the whole principle of first fruits uh, and the blessing of God. And uh, so thanks again and let's keep going, Kings, and I'm sure God will continue to uh, prosper us as we go forward. Great. It's great to be with you today. Thanks, Charles. So, uh, uh, quickly to the scriptures. Um, obviously, we try to build everything we're doing here out of the, the kind of principles of the New Testament. So, uh, let's just uh, uh, read some passages to help us when it comes to the issue of generosity. So, first, Acts 11 and verse 29. We've been teaching out the Antioch church, and it says the disciples... As each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 2. On the first day of every week, each one of you uh, should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Save it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. That's the Apostle Paul writing to a church. And also Apostle Paul writing in 2 Corinthians and teaches a lot on giving through 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, but just verses 9 and 12 today. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here's my judgment about what is best for you in this matter, talking about giving. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. And so there's some really important principles in here, just by way of introduction. Um, like those last few verses, which were, you know, give out of what you have, not of what you out of what you don't have. So when it comes to the review and the offering in the next couple of weeks, give out of what you have. Uh, the importance of it being a free will offering, out of your willingness. This is something you shouldn't uh, feel forced into. You know, basically you do it because you want to do it. You want to be generous, and you're doing it really because of what Christ has done in your life. It is in response to the richness of the good news that you give. You're not doing it to earn God's favor. You have God's favor. He saved you, and that's why uh, you give. You give according to your means, which means though some of us have a lot more than others, and therefore what we give should reflect that. Uh, but it does say, in fact, all the passages say this, is it says, um, each one of you, each one of you, Every one of us to give, okay? And Paul's writing to a church. He doesn't kind of write to the church in sort of some kind of this thing up here. He literally lands it and says, each one of you, every one of you, give. And that's my first point out of the passage, each one of you. It's, I mean, it's so clear, it doesn't really need interpretation, does it? But it's amazing how we duck it all the time. <laughs> each one of you give. You know my testimony, if you've been in this church for any length of time, I was saved at 19 when I got saved. This was a radical transformation. 
this, I, I, I literally went from swearing, I was working on the shop floor on a Friday afternoon, I got saved on Sunday, I am different on Monday morning. Uh, and to my work colleagues could see the difference. I mean, I studied and looked hard at the person Jesus had discovered he was the Son of God, believed it, got saved, and I'm, I'm all in. This is it. This is what life is ultimately really all about. It's about this person, Jesus. And so I'm in. So as, as I said on the video, I, I walked over to my pastor, said, I want, I want to get baptized, and I started tithing immediately. Uh, I was trying to work out how much money I actually gave when I was 19. I remember my first ever pay packet. Did anyone ever remember their first pay packet? Uh, back in the day, all right, I, I, it was literally, I was, I, I, I was given cash and it was in an envelope and I'd get paid weekly, yeah? Yeah, you remember that? Let's see if we go. And I remember my first pay packet, it was £32 is what I took home my first week's work. I thought it was amazing. And the journeyman I was working with said, you better buy your mum some flowers. And so, oh, okay, all right. So I went back and bought a flower. She liked that. And, um, and I used to give cash to my mum as housekeeping. What I didn't know is she, she was saving it and would give it back to me later to help me get on a down payment for a house. What well, generous, eh, mum? Hey, that's good. Some of my boys are wishing Deb had done that for them, but there we go. There we go. Some things pass through the generations, yeah? <laughs> you see, back, in, back then, you see... It wasn't a lot of money. It was 30 pounds, okay? I was earning about 300, I reckon, by the time I was about 19. I wasn't qualified as a journeyman at that point. But the principle God was teaching me was this. Put God first and money second. God first, money second. It's a very simple principle. But sometimes it's very hard to apply into your life. God first, money second. And from that point, uh, uh, when I got married to Deb, we, uh, and, uh, before I got married to Deb, and since we've been married, we have always given 10%, a tithe. You hear people sometimes saying, I tithe. <laughs> and I can't, if you ask the follow-up question, you mean 10%? Oh, no, I tithe. But no, 10%. And we, we, uh, we do it before tax. That's what I've always done. I was thinking and preparing for this message. When I was 24, I was in a church probably a little bit smaller than all the people in this room, okay? And we were doing a big building project, uh, and we were meeting in a school hall. This is in Bedford, and I was 24, and I just got a bonus. By then, I'd, I'd done well. I'd got into business. I bought my first house at 21, and I was kind of doing okay, and um, uh, I got a bonus because I sold some Apple Macs, um, and... Um, I'm in the worship, I'm Jesus, da, 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 da. I'm, I'm happy, and worship Jesus, and God says to me, so, I want you to give your bonus. Some of you are thinking, oh no, man, this is too close to home, okay, but, but that's what happened to me, I was 24, so I went to the front of the meeting in the worship, and I gave testimony, and I said, I, I, I just think that we've got this debt outstanding, and I think, I, I'm going to put my whole bonus in, will you join with me? I was thinking, the pastor was thinking, what is he doing? I think he was quite happy, actually. But anyway, um, <laughs> so will you join with me in helping clear this debt? And I remember going into my, my company and literally going in to the HR department and saying, I wanna, can I do this and things like that. They were like, you know, and, but that's what I did. When I felt called, 
I felt the call of God on my life. Not all of you are called to do this, but I felt called to be a pastor. I left a successful business career and became a youth pastor. I didn't know I'd end up leading this church or anything like this and what God has done. I've just taken a, a, a small step and I, I gave up my BMW and I, I got my mum's Fiesta 7, a 950S it was, which means it didn't even have a 1,000cc engine in it. It had 80,000 on the clock. She gave it to me. The, seriously, the radio in the BMW was worth more than the whole car, okay? <laughs> honest, honest. But hey, look. We're about eternal things. We're about people's lives. Eternal destination. I mean, it's huge what we're about. It is the, it's the center of the world, the gospel. It's the kingdom. Yeah, that's what I believe. Yeah? And uh, so, just... It's fine, and so we, we did that, and it was tough. We had, you know, very quickly after that, we had young children. Deb was working, and uh, each one of you, if every one of us responded. Now, fortunately, most of you are not called to take a 80% drop in your salary. Turn to the person next to you and say, amen, pastor, amen, <laughs> amen. I'm glad, I'm pleased for you, but okay, but every one of us, as a disciple of Jesus, are called to respond. And I'm asking every one of you to do this. Okay? And I want to tell you the, a story about the power of the widow's might. This is Jesus, as recorded in Luke's Gospel. Jesus looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put more than all the others. And all these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. I'm going to talk to you about the power of the widow's might. Uh, every year in January, for the last decade or so, I've done a stewardship seminar uh, in January, and I've sort of, with some other people in, who know more about these things than me in the church, tried to equip the church to steward and budget and handle the money well. It's the only thing we do at Kings where we say, if you come along, you'll be better off. Than <laughs> yeah, okay, that, that's the deal. You come, we'll probably save you 50 to 100 pound a month, okay? That's, that's, what, that's, that's how we kind of market the, the, the seminar. And after the seminar, I literally in here, just standing here, there was someone that had come to the seminar, and I spoke to her a couple of Sundays later, and I said, how do you find the seminar? She said, I found it really helpful. In fact, I felt really challenged, because I just drifted into a little bit of debt, only a few hundred pounds, but I could see that the trajectory was not good, and I needed to do something about it. I said, oh, great, what have you done? She said, well, I worked out that if I didn't uh, have a Starbucks or Costa every day going into work, that that would save me about 10 pounds a week. I said, okay. And she said, so what I've done is I've stopped doing that and I've taken that £10 and I've started to clear the debt. And she said that I would clear the debt in six to nine months. I thought, I was just so impressed because it wasn't without cost. It's a little step. But I don't know about you, I can't quite like a hot chocolate from Starbucks from time to time. But yeah, and, but she was going to, she, she made this decision. She was starting to see the, the fruit of her stewarding. Um, and it made me wonder now, Kings, we have about 1,500 people in attendance, including kids, every Sunday. That's our average attendance. I think there's about 1,000 adults then in that. And we probably have about 2,000-plus people that come to Kings. But not everyone comes every week. Yeah? So it's a, we're a big community now. And so I thought, what I'll do, I'll tell you what, 
let, let's say it's about 1,500 adults. I won't make it 1,000. I'll make it 500 of us. If 500 of us did the equivalent of what that lady did to get out of debt and gave £10 a week, that is £250 a year. And if you get the tax back, if you're a taxpayer, so please do that, fill in the gift aid form, that's £650 a year. That's a game-changing amount of money. Because if 500 people did that, it would be equate to £325,000 a year. Friends, the, the target we set is to go from 1.8 to 2 million. Uh, it, it's in the room. It isn't a big challenge. Yeah? But it needs every one of us. It, 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 actually, if every one of us just took a small step like that, maybe you're not giving regularly to kings at all. You'll come. You like it. It's good. It's okay. You're rocking. You go. If you're not contributing, you're not investing in who we're called to be. And this small widow might. If, if every one of us did this, in fact, if every one of us did this, just think of that. If a thousand people just gave £10 more a week, think that's a million pounds. Sorry, 1,500 people. Well, nearly a million. You know. You've got to work quick. It's 25,000 short, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so just think about it. The power of the widow's might. Um, but the truth is, is there are, there's a handful or maybe a, a few of us here where really the challenge is not about the widow's might. It's about proportional giving. There are a significant number of us here who have a greater responsibility. It's people like me. I'm 55, I've been working since I was 16, I bought a house young, uh, and I've stewarded, uh, hopefully I've been generous, but I've I've, I've stewarded my money well, and I've, you know, I think I'm on my, bought, I'm living in the third house I bought, I sold the other two, I only have one house, and, uh, uh, but I've stewarded well, uh, uh, and uh, like some of you here, uh, if you're in your 50s and 60s, you, you're now starting to benefit from what you've stewarded. And so you have, you're at the top maybe of your earning potential. Now, it doesn't mean there are a number of you here in your younger years that are, are doing really well. But you just haven't had kids yet. And trust me, they're expensive, all right? Okay, they really are expensive things, children, okay? But, so some, it's not that you, if you're younger, you're doing... In fact, you might be doing really well and... So their principle applies. But for some of us in our 50s and 60s, we're in a season of life where our income is at a high point. We now have pension pots, either a government pension, if you work for the government, that's a good pension, I'm very pleased for you, or a private pension where we've put in over 40 years into a pension pot. And, and, and so we've accumulated. We have wealth. In fact, some of us in this church, you know, there are people that are millionaires in this church. It's a good thing. Some of you are thinking, I haven't met them. I'd like to meet them, but don't worry. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you who they are. I don't know if I know who they are, okay? But there are some of you here that literally have a lot of money. You have hundreds of thousands of pounds. You have savings. You have shares. You have investments. Some of you have more than one house. Yeah? You have houses. Some of you are thinking, I want to meet that person as well. I'd be happy with one flat. I get that, okay? I totally get that. In fact, the responsibility in, in a corporate sense, in the family here, the church family, is those of us that have more is a huge responsibility. It's the younger generation are under huge pressure. 
Just how do I get into the housing market, for example? Where we're all living with, I'm glad we did get in the housing market. Yeah? And quite a few of us own properties in this church. Okay? And then some of us have got inheritance. We've either received it or we're hoping to get it. Yeah? And so we've got a lot of income. We've got a pension pot. We've got savings. We've got houses. And we've got inheritance. Now, just as an aside, never, never plan your life on the inheritance you might get. Okay? Don't do that. You might be really disappointed. Okay? And you want to honor your parents. And so, uh, but, but in our family, uh, we have the, the benefit of generational wealth. Uh, because both, both sides of our family have stewarded their money well. Uh, but but I, I'm being responsible for my household, yeah? Uh, but can I just say, can I, have you all got a will? You, you mean, I'm going to keep saying this until everyone in the church that has, particularly has children or any, any assets at all, you, sh- you should have a will. It's the, one of the most important documents, yeah? We won't do a hands up. Because the last time we did it, it depressed me. Because I thought, you're not listening to me. Yeah? But please, please get what I know, I know of two, and therefore if I know of two, there's a lot, there are others as well, who in the church at the moment are going through huge difficulties because not only are they coping with the grief of a, love, of a lost one, but they're coping with the complications of not good uh, will provision in place. And money and people are peeling for it and it gets all messy. Trust me. You want a will. You have to review it. Deb and I have just done this. We've done this across the summer. Um, and I'm going to get, oh, the way I've done it, we're going to give a, a, a tithe to kings. So when we go, kings will go, woohoo! Okay, and we're going to give a third to each of our three sons. That's what we've decided to do. And we changed the executors, but it used to be my dad. And I suddenly thought, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> this, this, that was good when I was in my 30s or 20s. I'm thinking... Oh no, that's, so I now have three sons. So I, I sat down with my three boys. We had a, a, a Tibbet family conference yesterday morning, and the three boys are in there, and we're talking it out. So if I die in this and that, yeah, I just keep it open. Really important document. But if you have accumulated, and some of you have, not many, but a number of you accumulated, where you are now, you, you've got a lot of noughts at the end, okay? You are then going to start to appreciate basically what Einstein says, the eighth wonder of the world. It's called compound interest. Yeah? Now, if you're in debt, this is bad news. Yeah? Okay? So it works both ways. But if you have stewarded well, then, and you put everything together, there just comes a point where money makes money. It lets you just on interest. Yeah? Let alone investments and other things. And therefore... The New Testament principle of proportional giving is very important at this point. Which is basically those of us that are wealthy and rich, uh, God expects more. Now, Deb and I have double tithed twice for two seasons while we've been leading this church. The first was when we were about 35, and the church here went into the first ever building project. We called it King Centre 2000. There was 200 of us, and we took on a £2 million building project just to kind of earth it for us. It's like me standing in front of you now and saying we're going for a £15 million building project. (gasps) Yeah? And the only way we could do it, we thought we'd fund it, is I went to the church, 35, and I just said, why don't we double tithe? 
And so Deb, we double tithed for three years before tax. It cost us. It impacted the holidays we went on. Yeah. Would I want the money back? Never. Because this is the inheritance. This is it. In fact, this was the auditorium before we extended it. This is so where you're sitting is actually the fruit of that giving. By a, I mean, there's just a handful of us left, aren't there? Who was, who was around when we did this first time around? In your year? Of course, these wonderful saints here. Yes, Barbara. Yes, yeah, Sam, you were just... A, uh, actually, yeah, you were just born, weren't you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Trust me, you didn't give a lot, though. Uh, okay. <laughs> But I'm believing, Sam, for the future, okay? All right? Actually, are you uh, tithing your allowance at the moment? <laughs> I mean, if you're going to put your hand up like that, you're just going to get it, okay? Right. So, uh, we did it. And then we did, the second time we did it was from 2010 to 2013, where we, we're still recovering from doing this building project and then the Lee facility came along. It was going to cost us three and a half million to buy. And I thought, I can't, just so you know, I can't, for my own personal conscience integrity, I can't lead a church into big ass unless I will, will do it ourselves. So we double tithe for three years then. And then we have continued to give over and above the tithe since then. And um, I'm happy to do it as well. I'm all in. I believe this stuff. Okay. Do you? Do you really believe it? Do you want to be involved in a work of God, of something where it's truly remarkable and people go, wow, how do they do that? Yeah? Well, it's through each one of us taking a step. And so Deb and I, this time round, we've done this. We're asking you to give again. So I cannot, but I can't stand in front of you and, not say, and say, this is what we're going to do. So we're going to tithe before tax to kings. And then on this occasion, we've concluded that we will give 4% over and above to Vision 2030. And that's what we're doing. And I'm not going to ask you to do anything that we haven't. Okay? I am asking every one of you to do something. Yeah? Because if we all did something, oh, honestly, it would be amazing what God would do. And what we could do for God. Do you get it? You just think you could be a part of something where that we, we've described Vision 2030 of, of something of reaching thousands of people and restoring hundreds of people and serving hundreds of churches. It's a big vision. And we're going to find out in the next few weeks if you're with us. I think you are. But it will require some of you to literally prayerfully get the spreadsheet out, talk, and, um, and go for it. And then lastly... And this reveals me, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but I'm very systematic in my giving. So when we have additional offerings, there is an amount of money that Deb and I have given, and it's been exactly the same amount of money for about the last six or seven years. It's like, oh yeah, additional offerings. So I'm already tithing, I'm all giving over and above, but then it comes again. I just, I just want to, I'm a, I'm a giver, actually. I just think, yeah, I'm in. And so I was preparing for the offerings that are coming in the next two weeks, and I'm preparing, and God spoke to me, and he said, he said, he said, Steve, I want you to double what you normally give. So I said, you know, how do you respond to God like that? Okay. I just go, okay. <laughs> okay. So I talked to Deb and I said, Deb, I think, I think we should, I think this is a moment to kind of 
I feel God said that we should double what we need to give. And Deb's brilliant. She just goes, okay. Okay. She trusts. trusts. We've got built trust in the air of money. So, okay. And so I'm not here next Sunday. I literally fly to Zimbabwe tonight. We've got a taxi coming up 1.30. So if I'm not that friendly at the end, I'll be friendly for about 15 minutes and then I'll be getting a bit edgy. Okay. So if you want to talk to me afterwards, come quickly, okay? And then we'll literally fly to Zimbabwe. We've got a busy series. I'm, I'm speaking four nights in a row, Monday through to Thursday, including two internal flights. Please pray for us. So we will not be here next Sunday, but I'll be praying for you as you make your response before God. And then we'll be back the following Sunday on the 18th, and then I'll be in. I will, the way I do, I like on an additional offer, I write a check. Do you remember those things? You have to dust them off and find them where they are, okay? All right. Um, or, or use... Uh, one of the forms that, that we provide, the giving form. And I'll come, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to tick my boxes. I'm going to give to Kings. I'm going to give to Vision 20. I want you to know that I know the five or six biggest givers in Kings. I'm told who they are, because as a church, we feel that that protects us. If one of those people left and no one knew, we could get into financial difficulties. So that's so, you know, but I don't know what everyone else gives, which is why on the form, uh, we, um, uh, we just, you don't give an amount, we're interested in your heart, and we're going to trust that you'll apply it through, okay? So on the form, it's literally a tick I'm going to give to Kings, it's a tick I'm going to give to Kings, uh, 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 Kings 2030, uh, Vision 2030, and then I'm trusting that everyone will come and bring something to our additional offering. And let's, let's just believe to, together that we could see something really remarkable, Yeah?